Yo, 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 what's up, y'all? Glory. Make it, y'all hear me in the back. Praise God. Praise. I'm going to turn this thing on. Glory. Man, it's good to be here. If you don't know me, my name's Jeff. I'm a believer in recovery from drug addiction. I still struggle with a whole bunch of stuff. And I got to tell you, it's good to be home. Good to be home here in freedom. But you know, I say it every time. The problem is with this crowd is I got to come back, right? So, so when I preach here, man, I got to watch out because you guys can drum me out of here pretty quick. But it is good to be home, man. It's always good to be home. I tell you what. I travel all over the country, and what's going on here at Freedom, man, it ain't going on everywhere. It ain't going on everywhere, and so I'm proud to be a member of this church and proud to, proud to be home every time we have an opportunity and even more honored to be able to get up and share a word with you guys. So I want to tell you, uh, bam, there we go. <laughs> I want to tell you guys, as I've been preparing this message for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, just this last, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday, maybe Thursday morning, man, I woke up to kind of polish up the message a little bit, and God completely changed the whole thing up on me. So, so, I, so I poured over it all day Thursday, you know, and then we had to go to a wedding this weekend, so I told Pamela, I said, well, I got to get up this morning. This morning, I said, I'm going to get up. I really want to go over the message, man, because I want to do a good job. I want to honor God. I want to honor my church. I want to honor the members of the church, you know, and, and have God's word pour out here. So I'm going to I'm going to go over this because it says, to, you know, we need to study to show ourselves approved, right? So I studied this morning, man. I got some things down. It took about two hours, you know, and I got up to go to the restroom. While I was in a restroom. The power flickered. Always hit save, man. Always hit save. But, you know, God reminded me it's not about my performance. It's about his message. And so that's what we're going to do today, man. So check it out. It's September. It's National Recovery Month. Some of you guys were here a couple weeks ago. I wasn't. I hate I missed it because Doc shared his testimony. Um, I miss it every time Doc shares his testimony all over the Cumberland County area. But, uh, but a story of a changed life. Amazing, right? Amazing. For those of you guys who were here, I know some other members of Celebrate Recovery, some other people from Celebrate Recovery also got up and were transparent and were brave enough to share with where they've been, their experience, strength, and hope to share where they've been and where God has brought them from, what God has done in their life, right? Because that's the thing about Christianity, man. It's not just about getting saved, man. Christianity is a decision followed by a process. A decision followed by a process, man. Look, and you guys are going to hear, if you've heard me preach before, I preach the same message every time in just a different way, right? Because I'm a process guy. I don't believe we can stop after the decision, man. The decision gets us eternity, but it don't buy a bit of freedom right here on earth, right? That comes with the process. That comes with the process. In Christianese, it's discipleship, right? We call it recovery. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing because they both lead us to a place of humility. They lead us to a place where it ain't about me because if it ain't about me, if it ain't about me, then all those selfish desires, all those things that I do in my life that are not about him will go away. So I did miss Celebrate Recovery Sunday two weeks ago, but everywhere I go and preach is Celebrate Recovery Sunday because I'm that guy, right? I'm the recovery guy because my whole life 
is wrapped around recovery. And now let me tell you something, man. You're going to hear me say recovery over and over today. When I say recovery, I just mean discipleship. When I say recovery, I just mean growing closer to Jesus Christ. When I say recovery, that's what I'm talking about. So don't say, wow, this guy worships recovery, man, because no, I worship Jesus Christ. But recovery is the process that plugs me into the power that he came that I can have for my life. I'm a recovery guy. My life is wrapped around it, man. And get a hold of that, man, because I didn't say my Sunday is wrapped around it. I didn't say my Sunday and Friday is wrapped around it. I said my life is wrapped around it. And because of that, because my life is wrapped around recovery, because my life is wrapped up in growing closer to Jesus Christ, growing closer to that purpose that he created me for, then I've, I've come to a place of some spiritual maturity, right? I mean, I've come down that road a little ways. I'm not right where I started, you know. I'm not saying I've arrived. Come on now. I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying I've moved down that road a little bit, right? You know, as Paul says to the Philippians in 3.12, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. You see, I'm trying to get a hold of the thing that got a hold of me, right? I'm trying to get a hold of the purpose for which Christ got a hold of me. He didn't do it for nothing. Jesus Christ created me, and he got a hold of me for a reason. Not so I could relax on the couch, right? Not so that I could just show up on Sunday mornings and go home and forget about it all week. No, he created me for a purpose. He created you for a purpose. He created all of us for a purpose, man. Not just to get saved so we could go to heaven, you know. Because check it out, man. When I got saved, when I got saved, something changed in me. Something changed, but everything didn't change. Come on, y'all. I mean, anybody else here experienced that? Something changed, but everything didn't change, man, because... When I got saved, I still had some anger problems, and I was still lonely. The rent was still due. The truck was still in the shop, man. When I got saved, I still had some problems, and I didn't know how to deal with them. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to act when life hit. Paul says it like this. He says, I was still drinking milk. I was still drinking milk, right? But who wants to spend their whole life drinking milk. You know, some people, I've met some people, man, there's probably some people here today that can be satisfied with the milk. They can be satisfied with the milk because it's good. I mean, we get saved and it's good. It's different. Something changes. But check it out, when I was 13 years old, I got a Benelli 60, right? And I loved it, man. But I ain't riding it today. Come on, y'all. I ain't riding it today. Look, what if I'd have pulled up out there on a Benelli 60 this morning? 200-pound, 60-year-old biker guy rolling in on a Benelli 60. Look, there ain't nothing wrong with that but I'm not where I used to be. I'm not satisfied with where I used to be. 
So I think about the milk, and I think about people drinking the milk, and I wonder how many people are saying, where's the beef, right? Where's the beef? Right? Paul goes on to talk about that, man. But see, that comes with the process, man. Look, we don't grow spiritually. When we don't grow spiritually, we can't get a hold of what God has for us, what we were created for. That thing for which Jesus took a hold of us. Recovery, man, recovery and discipleship. Recovery is discipleship. Has let God work in me to fulfill his purpose. Man, Paul talks about that later on in Philippians 2.13. This process has let God work in me to fulfill his purpose in my life. You know, some of you guys know us, know me and Pamela. And for the last six years, I spent a lot of time on the road, man. I'm out there on the road because God has called me out on the road. And I'm out there sharing the gospel. I'm sharing with people that, that change is possible, that healing is available, that hope is real. And he has a name, Jesus Christ, right? Because there are people out there that are hopeless, man. The problem is there are people in here that think they're hopeless and they're not. Because they're still drinking milk. Pamela and I are stepping out in faith after the first year. Look, this is my church home, so I'm going to ask you guys to pray for us. Because we've been called to be missionaries to the United States. So we're going to be out there on the highways and streets in the cities of this country building relationships with people at homeless shelters, at treatment centers, at jails and prisons so that we can impact those communities in a bigger way. We're going to be connecting the dots with local people to be able to share the hope and healing available in Jesus Christ with people in those places. Because we're, we're not drinking milk. We're not drinking milk, right? But it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight, man. I got saved and sober almost 16 years ago. And I began to do whatever had to be done, right? See, that's the problem. A lot of people get saved, man, and they, they tell God what they want to do, right? I mean, come on. There were things I wanted to do when I got saved. I thought I was going to be a missionary overseas, right? I was going to go to an exotic country and live out my life sharing the gospel with people over there. I thought that was so cool, but that's not what God called me to do. So you know what I started doing when I got saved? I started cleaning the church. I started cutting the grass. I started taking a day off every week to do maintenance work at our church because I went to a little church, didn't have anybody to help. And I started to plug in, and I started to do what needed to be done. I started to do the next right thing over and over and over again. In fact, look, I've been a biker my whole adult life, but when I got saved and sober, I thought I had to look like a Christian. I didn't think they looked like this. I certainly didn't think they looked like this. So I cut my hair, I shaved my beard, I put on a suit and tie, I wore a long sleeve shirt. Some of the people in here today went to church with me back then. I kept doing the next right thing, man. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was what I needed to do. And I kept doing the next right thing. In 2016, God put me back on a motorcycle, praise God. 
and I was able to drop the mask and realize that it's okay to ride a motorcycle for Christ's sake, right? And that's when I plugged in out here at Freedom Biker Church. And I ain't looked back yet. But if I would have been satisfied with the milk, come on, y'all. You got to get a hold of that. You see, I had to continue to grow in God's grace from glory to glory to glory. I had to continue to walk down this path, to go down this path, man. Look, salvation ain't a recliner, man. It's a springboard. It should catapult us into a new life. The, man, look, I was born to be wild, right? How many of y'all were born to be wild? That's an amen there. Come on, y'all. I was born to be wild, man. I wasn't born to be tame, to be quiet. To rest and relax in the recliner the rest of my life? No, I was born to be wild, man, and I found my purpose by growing in God's grace. I found the greatest adventure that I never dreamed of in my entire life. But check it out. God won't give us in the physical beyond where we are in the spiritual. Think about that. Let that sink in, man. God won't give us in the physical beyond where we are in the spiritual. We ain't giving those road glass keys to a three-year-old, right? I mean, that puts it into some, some perspective. Think about that, man. Think about it. I'm telling you. Because check it out. If we want to grow in our maturity, if we want to move towards what God has for our lives, look, we got to go through some stuff. We can't grow without having some growing pains. We don't just go through some stuff. We grow through some stuff. That's my daughter's new tattoo. We don't just go through some stuff. We grow through some stuff, right? But we have to do that, man. We can't kick back in the recliner at home. We can't come in here on Sunday mornings and stop there and rest the rest of the time, man. Look. James, the book of James, James was written by Jesus' half-brother. He wasn't one of the disciples. He was Jesus' half-brother. There's a little confusion, can be confusing there. just want to tell you who that is. But the book of James, in recovery, we're very familiar with the book of James because the book of James is all about growing in our spiritual maturity but not growing the easy way. It's about going through some stuff. It's about growing in a way that sometimes is not comfortable, right? So today's message, man, this is the big deal. Just, I just, a couple of scriptures in James goes a long way. So I'm going to tell you in James 1, 2 through 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may, mature, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds rough, right? That sounds tough, man. But check it out. Listen to how they say it in the message. This is the bomb right here. Consider it a sure gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Consider it a gift when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Check it out now. You know that under pressure, 
your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I love that. Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. I mean, think about that. Think about that in your life, man. I mean, where are you at? Because let me tell you something. If you're still drinking milk and life hits, it's going to show. Because when that bad news comes, when that diagnosis isn't what you want to hear, when you get fired from that job, when your spouse walks out on you, when you find out your child is in addiction, the first thing that comes out of your mouth, that's what you really believe. Man. Jesus says in Luke 6, 45, out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you really believe comes out of here, man. And under pressure, your faith life is brought into the open. You ready for them motorcycle keys? Look, a couple weeks ago, Pamela and I came back. We went on our first RV trips. We got an RV because next year as we hit the road, man, she ain't riding a motorcycle with me a 1,000 miles, you know, so she don't play that game. So we got an RV we're going to be able to live in because, look, you guys think we've been gone recently, man. We're going to be gone for a couple months at a time. We're going to be coast to coast. We're going to be out sharing the gospel about our father's business, you know. So we got this RV. We're just learning how to do that thing, man, because we've never been RV people. So we went camping. We were gone. We, we went camping. Had a good time with Rick and Teresa and enjoyed some of that. And, but then we went to East Tennessee to minister at a couple of churches, and after nine days on the road, man, we were ready to get home. So we got up early that Saturday morning. We packed up the RV, got everything, dumped them tanks. Don't ever dump them tanks. Put the gloves on. Put the gloves on. Don't bite your fingernails. So we dumped the tanks, man. We got everything packed up. We're about 340 miles from home. We jumped in the RV. We got early in the morning, man. We wanted to get home. So we got early in the morning. Got in the RV about 6 in the morning. Started making a home. We just want to get home right, unpack our stuff from the RV, take a shower, kick back in the recliner, man, watch some TV, right? We walked in the front doors about noontime on a Saturday, and our air conditioner was out. On a Saturday. But check it out. Under pressure, your faith life comes out into the open. It's forced into the open. So what do we do? We could have started crying. We could have got upset. We could have got angry. We could have... 
We could have got mad at God, right? Look, we're just doing your business. Why would you let this happen to us? No, that's not what we did. You know what we did? We said, man, thank God we got some options. Thank God we're not broke. We got some friends. We could go stay with some if we need to. Thank God we got an RV parked out front with an air conditioner. We can go stay in if we need to. And then I went on Facebook and I said, hey, man, you know what? We got a problem. But we're okay. And we're believing God's going to provide a solution. That was Saturday afternoon. I don't know, 2, 3 in the afternoon, huh, sweetheart? How many of y'all try to get a hold of a heat and AC guy this time of year? Especially in this, I mean, look, I'm in a remodeling business. It's hard. It's tough. Let me tell you something. That was Saturday afternoon, about 3 in the afternoon. By 11 o'clock Sunday morning, our air conditioner was working, was back on. God brought, first he brought the wrong guy, right, sweetheart? First he brought a guy that didn't do much for us. We didn't get upset with him either. You know what? No, we found another guy. We called another guy, man, and he came out. He came out at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. A heat and AC got to crawl up underneath our house, find out what the problem was. You know what? He said, You're, there's a part that you need. 7 o'clock Saturday night, you know, the, the AC places are not open. He said, there's a part that you need, but check it out. I got a unit at home that's got a brand new part just like it on. I'll go home, take that off, and bring it back and put it on. So by Sunday morning, our stuff was fixed, man, because we didn't get all caught up in the problem, right? We got, got all caught up in the provision, right, because we know that God works all things together for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But when we walked into that house and that AC wasn't working, what an opportunity to grow our faith. But it's not easy to always look at it like that, right? That don't come the day after you meet Jesus. That don't come if you're still drinking milk, man. That comes after you've plugged into the process of getting to know him, after you've plugged into a process. of knowing who he is. You see, Scripture says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not, not then you will meet the truth. You've got to know him. You've got to know him, right? I mean, come on, man. Some of you guys know me pretty well in here, but if I tried to borrow 10 grand a day, you'd tell me quick, I don't know you like that. <laughs> right? Come on. We got to know Jesus like that. If you're going to trust him, man, you can't stay on the milk. Because when we get a hold of him, man, you know, that's the thing. He doesn't make all the problems go away. The problems happen, man. That's life. He promises us that. But let me tell you something. He works best in the worry-free areas of our lives. The worry-free areas of our lives. Let me tell you something, man. Get a hold of this. Think about it, man. So worry 
check it out, man. I mean, I understand people have, have struggles with worry and, and anxiety and that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about everyday worry, man. I'm talking about worry that things are not going to ever go right, man. Worry that there's problems, man. That's faith in Satan, right? I mean, because when we worry, that just means that we, we count on the wrong thing happening. I don't ever count on the wrong thing happening. I'm telling you, never. Because I trust him, because I've gotten to know him. Again, I haven't arrived, but I trust him. Because I've gotten to know him. Look, check it out. John Baker, the founder of Silver Recovery, I always loved this, man. He said one time, he said, you know, the, the cool thing about worry is it works. He said, because everything I worry about never happens. See, it's a trick of the enemy, right? A trick of the enemy wants us to worry about things, man, because that's not God's promise. God doesn't say, man, if you worry about it long enough, maybe I'll do something about it. No. We don't have to worry, man. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. We were just singing about that. You see, the process has taught me to not get discouraged, man, to not get upset. And look, I'm not saying that I don't ever get concerned, man, but, but look, discouraged is not a place that I stay, man. Upset is not a feeling that I'm comfortable with. Concern, man, concern might be a place that I visit, but I ain't going to live there. Because I trust him. He works all things together for the good. For those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. I love him. And we've all been called according to his purpose. You see the thing is. When things happen in our life. And we're just drinking milk. We just can't see the solution. Because we're walking by sight. We're not walking by faith. When things happen in our lives and we're just drinking milk, man, we can be fooled and deceived by the way things look around us. But what we need to do is get caught up on the way things are inside of us where the Holy Spirit lives. J.D. talked about it last week on 9-11, you know. God doesn't make bad things happen in our lives. I don't believe that. I don't believe he does. But I believe that he gives purpose to the bad things that happen in our lives. See, God never wastes a hurt. God recycles the pain and the problems that we all deal with, that we all go through. He recycles those things, you know? That's one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery. It gives purpose to our pain. God gives purpose to our pain. We recognize it through the process of Celebrate Recovery. We recognize the fact that it's okay to not be okay. Look, at Celebrate Recovery, we tell people we're just a bunch of screwed up people that love Jesus. 
The truth is, all Christians are just screwed up people that love Jesus, right? The process of recovery helps us to recycle that pain, to give purpose to it, purpose to it, to use it. We were at my sister's wedding yesterday over in Charlotte. We met a lady from, uh, from Virginia that was certainly not a biker. That had no, I mean, there was no visible reason for her to relate to us, right? But when we began to talk to her, you know, and I always tell it, 16 years ago, I was a homeless crack addict. The Lord saved me and changed me. She has a son that she hadn't heard from in years. Because he's out there, just like I've been out there. And she was so touched that we were okay to talk about the junk in our closet, to talk about the bad choices, to talk about the life that I had led before Jesus Christ. Because she left yesterday with some hope. Because we let God use us. Because we're getting a hold of that which Christ Jesus got a hold of me for, right? You can't do that on milk. You know, I was thinking the other day how I hear people, they'll say, uh, they'll say, man, don't pray for patience. Right? You hear everybody say that? Don't pray for patience. Because he'll give you an opportunity to be patient. Man, I say pray for patience. Pray for patience and welcome those opportunities to learn to be patient. Because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a seed that's in us, man, but it's a little seed until we let it grow. And we need that. Look, the word patience is mentioned in the Bible over 70 times. We need it, man. It ain't something we need to be running from or ducking from because it's going to be a hard thing to go through to get it. No, let's pray for it, man. Let's be willing to go through whatever it takes to have it. When the problems start coming in your life, and let me tell you, they're going to come, man. Being a Christian doesn't exempt us from problems. Sometimes it maybe amplifies those things a little bit more. The problems are going to come, man, but when, when, when those problems don't sway us, when they don't sway our faith, when they don't cause us to react badly, we're ready for some beef, right? You know, the recovery process, I always go back to that, man. I love the 12-step recovery process and celebrate recovery. It's such a powerful, practical way to grow in Christ, to become a mature Christian. I've seen it happen to literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over the country since I plugged into the 12-step process. Because check it out, you can sum it up like this, man. 
Steps one, two, and three are about giving up. Steps four, five, and six are about cleaning up. Steps seven, eight, and nine are about making up. And steps 10, 11, and 12 are about growing up. That's what we have to do as Christians, right? We got to give up, clean up, make up, and grow up. You know, in the spiritual, I can see some mini bikes in the seats today, right? It's okay, man. It's okay. You just can't stay there. Don't stay there, you know? And this process is so important. The process is so important, man, because I've seen people that are on the milk that want the meat, but without the process, you'll choke on the meat. Without the process, man, there are things in our lives, man, there are things as a Christian that are going to come our way that right after we get saved... While we're drinking milk, man, we're just not ready to deal with those things appropriately, right? We need to get to a place where we can live life on life's terms. We need to get to a place in our Christian walk that looks attractive to people. We need people to look at our lives, man, not when times are good, because when times are good, times are good. There ain't nothing, there's no problem there. But when, that, when life hits, when things go bad, when things go awry, man, when life's a mess, when things are everywhere, man, people need to look at us and go, my gosh, that's not normal, right? They need to look at our lives and say, that's not natural. Good gracious, that's supernatural. I want what that guy has. I want what that woman has, man. When life hits me, I want to be able to react like that. Milk's good, and we need it, but it ain't no filet, right? Milk is never going to give us the same satisfaction that a steak is going to give us. Just not going to do it. We need to be about the business of spiritual maturity. And look, it's as difficult for me as it is for anybody else. I'm not calling you out. It ain't easy, man. It ain't easy facing life on life's terms. There was a time when life hit me, I went out and got high, man, because I had to escape from it. I had to get away from it because I couldn't deal with it. And we all got different ways, right? When life hits, man, it might be anger. It might be pornography. It might be people-pleasing. It might be relationships. There are all kinds of ways we deal with life when it hits, man, and we don't know how to deal with it appropriately like Jesus Christ has shown us to. And let me tell you something. That don't look like Jesus. Because again, it ain't all about me. Right? When I was when I was preparing this message last week, you know, I, I do some ministry all over the country, man, and 
you know, unfortunately, that can let me open to problems all over the place. They're not just right here at home. And so as I was preparing this message, I had a situation with somebody across the country, somebody that I love, somebody that I care about, that I had to deal with. They did something I had to deal with. Look, I didn't do it. But I had to deal with it. And I could be tempted to say, God, man, I'm doing everything you asked me to do. I'm working hard. I'm studying. Man, I'm preparing to preach this Sunday. I'm in your word. Why would you let this happen to me? But then the light came on, man. It wasn't about me. It ain't about me. You see, the truth is, I had to give some wisdom and correction to somebody that I loved. It was not comfortable for me at all. But the way that they received it helped them to grow in their spiritual maturity. You see, this recovery process has taught me that when things happen, when life hits, it ain't always about me. Just because it seems to be happening to me. No, because as a spiritually mature Christian, I'm built for it, right? We're built for it. When those things happen, when they come my way, how I react may be all about somebody else's spiritual growth. Look, when, when, things, when things happen in our lives, man, when, when times get tough, when that stuff happens, man, the first thing we want to do is run, right? That's natural, man. That's what we want. We want to run. We want to get away from that tough thing, man. That's what I did when I was on dope, man. When that, when that thing happened, when, when it was something I couldn't deal with, I just went and got high so I wouldn't have to deal with it, so I could escape the pain, escape the responsibility, escape all that stuff. didn't matter what was happening to the people around me because of what I was doing. But if you've, if you've ever counseled with me, if you've ever called me with a big problem, if you've talked to me in the last few years about something, some of my sponsees, and if you come to me when something's going on in your life, I mean, typically the first thing is I'm going to tell you is, this is an opportunity to grow your faith. This is an opportunity to exercise your faith, man. Because, you know, faith, perseverance, patience, the less you use them, the weaker they get. That's why we got to pray for patience, right? That's why we got to take these things when they come. That's why... That's why Paul said, count them as pure joy. When it comes in at you from every angle. Because that's an opportunity, man. That's an opportunity not to get upset, not to be beat down, not to be crushed. That's an opportunity to strengthen our faith, to exercise our faith, our patience, our perseverance, man. And when we exercise that stuff regularly, it gets strong. It gets big, man. It gets able to endure anything. 
Because check it out, man. Faith is where the power is. Faith is where the power is. Look, with we have the ability to have more power than angels. Why do I say that? Because, because angels can't have faith. They see it all. Because the power, man, the power comes from the faith. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, we got to slow down about asking God for stuff and start asking God what we can do for him. What we can do for you, man. These situations that come up in my life, look, my prayer every day is keep me and use me. Keep me and use me. And if you pray that, man, he's going to. But you better be ready. That's what I'm talking to you about today, man. You can't be drinking milk and be used the way he wants to use you. You've got to grow, man. If you want those motorcycle keys, if you want those road glide keys, if you want to get off that mini bike, you better learn how to ride. Look, I love this. I love the way this says, this in Malachi 3.3, God describes Jesus as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And I love that, man, because it, some of you may have heard this story about the, the silver refiner, man, but it, it never gets old for me, man, because check it out. The silver refiner, God described Jesus like that for a reason, man, because the silver refiner, right, that silver has to go into the hottest part of the fire, the hottest part of the fire to be purified. And then, and then the refiner pulls it out in the, Impurities rise to the top and he dips them out and then you know what? Puts it back in the fire. And when the refiner was asked, how do you know when the silver is pure? He said, because I can see my reflection in it. And one part of the story that I really love is the refiner never puts the silver in the fire and walks away. Because if you leave it in too long, it burns up. See, the refiner knows the exact moment to pull the silver out of the fire. That's Jesus Christ in our lives. So when you're in the fire, man, when all hell breaks loose in your life, when things don't feel right, what I want you to know is Jesus Christ is right there. 
And he's not going to let you get burned up. He's purifying you. He's getting you ready for the buffet. Look, if we never had trials, if we never had difficulties, if we never had tests in our life, we'd be useless, right? I mean, what do you learn when everything's fine? What do you learn when everything's fine? Nothing. Nothing, man. We weren't called to a life of comfort. He never said this is going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Look, I had a guy yesterday tell me, man, a guy, not, he's not a Christian in any way, man. He's not a Christian. He looked at me and he said, Jeff, he said, I don't think people are in that life are looking for happiness. He said, I think they're looking for purpose. I thought, you know that. You don't even know Jesus Christ. That's the truth, man. You see, you're not, you're not looking for more leisure time, man. You're not looking for more money. You're not looking for another relationship. You might think those are the things that are going to make you happy, man, but the truth is happy lives inside of you. Purpose pulls it out of you. We don't need to pray for less problems. We need to pray for more strength. That's the big thing I want you to grab a hold of today. That's the thing I want you to take home with you today is we don't need to pray for less problems. We need to pray for more strength. We got to get to a place in our lives, in our Christian walk, where, you know, something might happen. Look, I ain't saying it's always pleasant. I ain't saying we always handle it joyfully. Look, things happen in my life, and I think, man, I hate this. I hate this. But God, use it. Use it. Help me get through it. Help me keep a great attitude. Help this be something that gives you glory. And it's okay. And it's okay because... Because, Father, I know you work all things together for my good. Because I love you. And I've been called according to your purpose. You know, this process thing, man, I'm telling you, this process, celebrate recovery, I love, man. It's not the only way, but it's, it's the, the, the best, most practical way that I've found on a daily basis to plug into this power that Jesus Christ came for us to have in our lives. Because we got to go through some stuff, man. And if you're trying to go through some stuff by yourself, you ain't going to make it. Celebrate Recovery is a community, man. Recovery is a community of people, man. Screwed up people that love Jesus. That come alongside of each other. Man, we don't fix each other. He's the only one who can fix anything. We just come alongside of each other. We hold each other up. We prop each other up. We pick each other up. We keep each other accountable and encouraged. That's what it takes, man. You can't go through life, man. You can't deal with these struggles by yourself. Community, I mean, J.D. talked about it last week. J.D. and Bill have been talking about it for several years now, about these small groups, about community, man. We got to be in community with people. See, that's, 
The church has small groups. You plug into a small group. What I like about Celebrate Calvary is it doesn't give you a choice. It makes you plug into a small group. Church gives you an option. But you shouldn't have to be forced into it. You should know you need it. You should be wore out with drinking milk. And want some meat. I'm starting to get classy. It's almost 1230. We usually eat at 1230, right? (laughs) But I want to jump ahead. I know uh, pastors Bill and J.D. are walking us through the book of Genesis right now. But I just want to jump ahead. I won't get too far into it, man, because I'm sure they're going to explain it in a way that I never could. But if we jump ahead, one of my... One of my favorite Bible characters is Joseph, man. You want to talk about a guy that went through some stuff. Joseph, uh, Joseph came from a wealthy family, man. He was a, he was a young guy that had, had everything going for him in life, man. But just a quick trip here, man. His brothers got jealous. They sold him into slavery. But Joseph was a guy. He loved God, man. He kept doing the right thing over and over and over. Sold him into slavery, man. What did he do? He became the best slave in the household. Potiphar, the captain of the guard, man, put Joseph in charge of all the other slaves. In fact, Scripture says all that all the, the boss said, all that Potiphar had to worry about was what to eat because Joseph handled everything else, and he was a slave with a great attitude, honoring God. And all he did, see, because it wasn't between him and Potiphar, it was between him and God. Then he was falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife, got put in prison for something he didn't do, man. You know what he did then? He rose the occasion, man. He was the best prisoner in prison. They put him in charge of everything. Then a couple years later, man, look, this is like a 13-year process. A couple years later, after being in prison, let me tell you what, prison then ain't like prison now. I was just in a prison in East Tennessee. I was talking to these guys, and God was blowing smoke up in the air, and I thought, is he sneaking a cigarette right while I'm talking to everybody in the pod? And I got done. They said, no, we can buy vapes. I'm like, good gracious. They didn't have that when I was in jail. <laughs> but I can't even imagine what it was like when Joseph was in jail thousands of years ago, man. But he kept a good attitude, right? A positive attitude. He had favor, right? And then all of a sudden, one day, one day, he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. He went from the prison to the palace, and one day became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Thirteen years after his brothers sold him into slavery. If he'd have have got a bad attitude, man, if he'd have been a, oh, woe's me, oh, I can't believe you did this to me, if he'd have turned his back on God, if he'd have got hateful and resentful and spiteful and unforgiving, he would have never... He would have never got to that point. He would have never got a hold of what Christ Jesus got a hold of him for. Process, man. You might be here today and say, hey, man, you know what? All I got is a mini bike. That's cool, man. Plug into this process. Let me tell you something. I think the most, the most underreported process story in the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. Come on, you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
all God, all man. You know, when he was about 12 years old, that's about the last time we read about him until he was 30. I think that you, you go. So, you know, he was about his father's business, you know, uh, when he was 12, when they found him at the temple. But then we don't hear anything until he was 30, 18 years. His ministry could have started right then, right? He was all God. He was the Savior of the world. But when I think about that, I mean, think about it. So he worked in a wood shop with his stepdad, Joseph, right? I mean, we never hear anything more about Joseph, so I'm assuming Joseph died at some point, and Jesus had to rise to the occasion to run that shop. Jesus had to learn to be a leader. Jesus had to deal with people. He had to take care of his family. I mean, Jesus went through some things, right? To get him ready for the ministry when he was 30. You might be here today and say, man, you know, I think God's got a big plan for my life and I keep doing the right thing, but I don't think, I don't think I'm making much progress. Keep doing the next right thing, man. Keep doing the next right thing. Keep growing in your spiritual walk, man. We've got Bible studies. We've got this study coming up with the, on the chosen, man. What an amazing opportunity to plug in, man. Like I said, celebrate recovery ain't the only way. I just think it's an amazing way. But plug in. Plug into a small group. Plug into one of these Bible studies. Plug into Iron Man, Iron Angels. Plug into these groups, man, and begin to grow spiritually. Look, Sunday is important, but it's not enough. It's not enough. We have to wrap our lives, our very lives, around Jesus Christ. We have to wrap our lives around this process of growing spiritually maturity, right? Spirit, growing to spiritual maturity. Don't beat yourself up if you haven't arrived, right? Because I hadn't arrived either. But if you're not even on the road, we might have to have a talk. Because I know there's some folks in here today that aren't even on the road, man. You got saved, and you kicked back with the go-out-of-hell-free card, right? Get-out-of-hell-free card, and, and that's all you need. You can't even imagine what the steak tastes like, right? So today, man, you know, I'm going to leave with this. The band want to come up and... I'm almost there. Preacher's famous last words. I like that. I'm wrapping up. <laughs> so today, you know, I want you to go home. I want you to go home today or do it in the parking lot, in your car, in your motorcycle, whatever, man, and say, God, I want to quit being a baby Christian, man. I want to quit getting upset every time I have an opportunity, man. I want to quit whining and complaining when troubles come, man. I want to I don't want to fall apart when life hits, right? Because James goes on to say, still the first chapter of James, man. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, 
that person will receive the, the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Today, I want you to pray, man, and ask God to help you to get off the milk, to get on the meat, to get to the meat, man. And if, and if you're here today, man, and you've moved on past that, right? Ask God to help you to persevere. Ask God to give you patience and be willing to go through whatever you have to go through to have it, man. When I got saved and sober, 15 and a half years ago, I didn't know what God's plan was for my life. Well, you know, I thought the other day, Pamela, Pamela said to me, she said, Jeff, you're never satisfied. that's true I'm never satisfied that doesn't mean I'm not grateful for what God has given me that means that I don't have enough Jesus my prayer is that I'm never satisfied with the Jesus I have, man, because I want more. I want more. I want more. And that's what I want for you all here today. I want you to have more. But if you're going to have more, you got to be willing to go through what it takes to get more. You know, I've been on the road a lot over the last five years, and a lot of people say, man, that's so exciting, that's so cool. And it is cool. But it ain't easy. It's not easy on me. It's not easy on Pamela. It's not easy on my employees and my friends. It's tough. But I'm not looking for easy. I'm looking for purpose. And after 15 and a half years, I'm praying for patience and being willing to deal with whatever comes my way. After 15 and a half years of saying, God, let me go through whatever you would have me go through so that I can be the man that you created me to be. I found the purpose that I was created for. We're going to hit the road next year and live that out. And it's not going to be easy. I need you guys to pray for us because we haven't arrived. But we're bringing all our power to bear at what lies ahead and continuing to ask God let happen in my life to refine me to make me better to look more like you because my friends my family here there's nothing 
like that. There's nothing than going from the milk to the steak. And if ain't steak you like, it might be salmon, huh, baby? But the truth is, don't get satisfied with where you are. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Never get satisfied with where you are because he's not a God of complacency. He's not a God that's once and done, man. No. Plug in. Look, I'm going to pray. We're going to open the altars. JD and Bill might come up and pray with you guys or any of the church leaders might want to come up if you want somebody to pray with you, man. But but you might be there. That's that's all I want to ask you, man. You might say, look, I've been saved for 10 years and I am drinking milk. I want more. I want you to come up and pray for that. You might be saying, well, I'm not drinking milk, man, but I'm, I'm not eating steak yet. Come up and pray for that. You might say, man, I tried the steak, but I choked on it. I need to drop back and plug into the process that'll get me there. So we're going to open the altars. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the adversity, for all the trials, for all the tests, Lord, for all the difficulties that have come in my life that you've carried me through, Lord. I thank you. I'm not, I'm not always thrilled. I'm not always happy. But I'm grateful, Lord, that you love me enough to not try to rescue me from every difficult thing I need to go through. But Lord, you set with me while I'm in the fire, Lord. And today, I ask that you remind every person here at Freedom Biker Church and those online that when they're in the fire, you haven't walked away from them. You haven't walked away from their lives. You haven't walked away from their purpose, but you're setting right there, Father, because you're prepared to pull them out before they burn up and begin to draw those impurities away from their lives so that they can look more like you, Father. I ask that people right now, Lord, would come into the reality of where they are in their walk with you and your son and that they would become unsatisfied and want more more of you, more of your purpose, more of your plan, that they would begin to want to get a hold of you for that which you got a hold of them. Just praise you, Father. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus.